the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Our world is ever-changing, and many would argue that our leadership style has not kept pace with those changes. Today's guest, Scott Miller, works with some of the world's greatest leaders. He joins us to share insights that can make us become better leaders and take our personal and professional lives to the next level. Scott is a speaker, author, Franklin Covey Senior Advisor on Thought Leadership, and host of Franklin Covey's On Leadership with Scott Miller podcast. He's the author and co-author of multiple best-selling books, including his newest, Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds, Volume 2. Welcome, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. Joan, my pleasure. Thank you for the spotlight today. So, Scott, sometimes it feels like our world is changing at a rapid fire pace. Do you believe that our traditional method of leadership, which was that command and control style, does that still work? Well, certainly not, right? I think what needs to happen now is post-pandemic, if you will, post the great resignation, the quiet quitting initiative going on, we've got to have what I will call an individual style of leadership. No longer does it work where you have one style of leadership and you command, you control, you require everybody to align to your style. That worked in the 80s and 90s and maybe a little bit into the 2000s. But now that you've got people that are choosing to quit their jobs and go work somewhere else and perhaps you ask them where are they going they might say i don't know i might open up a an etsy store or create an nft or something you've got to have a style that meets everyone exactly where they are people listen differently they want to be validated differently they want to be rewarded differently engaged differently so this is why joe not everyone should be a leader of people i think it's a it's a common challenge in companies where we lure often our top individual contributors, our top individual producers to become leaders of people. Because in most companies, the only way to have power, influence, earn more money, a bigger title is to lead people. But not everyone should be an anesthesiologist. Not everybody should be a commercial airline pilot. And not everyone should be a leader of people. You mentioned a pandemic. And With all of the pain and suffering that we experienced, I think this was one of the great things that did emerge from that time in our lives. People started to realize what was really important because I think we were living ourselves, we were living our lives just overstressed and burnt out and and miserable. So I think that is one of the benefits that did come out of that period. I think you are exactly right. I think everyone came out of the pandemic thinking more clearly about their life, their values, their legacy, how much they do or don't want to spend wrapped up into their career. I think a lot of people's identities going into the pandemic was their professional title, especially perhaps those people who were single and didn't have a strong you know, family role to cleave to, if you will. But I think you're right. The silver lining is that everybody is reassessing where, where in their life does their profession sit with them and how long are they willing to tolerate a boss that they don't like? People are quitting bosses in droves. You know, the adage is true. People don't quit bad jobs. They quit bad leaders and corrupt cultures. And to your opening point, if you want to create a culture where people choose a high level of engagement, because leaders don't create engagement. Everyone's talking about how important to measuring 
their levels of engagement now. But leaders don't create engagement. You can't force someone to be engaged. You can't lure them, but you can create a culture where they feel respected and engaged and inspired, where as the boss, the leader, you're not the genius, but you're the genius maker of others. You ignite their genius. That's when people choose to stay another six months, another year or two. You mentioned the great resignation and and quiet quitting. If these types of changes that we're talking about today don't take place, what's going to happen to our workforce if people are are basically saying, I'm done, I'm out of here? Well, I think we'll see people, whether we do or not, we're seeing a massive change in the way people view their professional lives. I don't think people have the same values that maybe people of my generation, right? You see people that are 16, 18, 20 years old that haven't even gotten their driver's license. They don't care. Mm. Buying a car is no longer a rite of passage. They just take an Uber or they walk or take public transport if they can. I think buying a home for many people is not no longer a dream. Maybe it's out of touch, but in many cases, people don't find that as a rite of passage anymore. So we got to be careful as leaders to deliberately create cultures where people want to choose to come and perhaps as importantly, Joan, choose to stay. I think going into the pandemic, the average tenure of someone in their company was about 18 months, which for me is kind of, you know, unheard of. I stayed at Franklin Covey for 26 years. My father worked at Lockheed Martin for 32 years. A lot of us had this sense of loyalty that no longer is present. And that isn't an indictment of the younger culture. They just have different values. So if you want to create a culture where people choose to come and choose to stay, as opposed to opening up an Etsy store, creating an NFT, or having four side hustles. People now can cobble together a fairly good living by not suffering under bad leadership. I'll repeat that phrase. People don't quit bad jobs. They quit bad bosses and corrupt cultures. And I think people of my age, I'm in my 50s, and I think I've seen both sides of this coin. My parents were in the 50s and 60s. And so they had the, you know, nine to five, you went home, you had dinner with your family, Sundays off. That was the culture that I experienced when I was younger. And then as I got older, we started to to realize you needed to put in the overtime and then you needed to work weekends. And, and so I think we're just kind of course correcting back to what we used to have, which which I don't think is a bad thing. I think there should be an emphasis on family and raising your children and, and all of those things. And I'm, and I'm kind of excited about the changes that I'm seeing. I think that's insightful of you. And I think companies are feeling the same. You're starting to see global companies become much more interested in life balance for their employees, their impact on the environment, their social policies. They recognize that the younger generation will not come to your company. They will not bring their genius and their creativity to your company if you don't value them as a whole person. If they can't bring their whole selves to work, if they can't set boundaries to say, listen, I want to give you my all during these hours, but I have to recharge. I have to check out. I have to take my PTO or I can't give you my all when I am here. I do think leaders are learning this quickly and they're building cultures to, to, to magnetize the best talent in. Because if they don't, the alternative is they will lose the war on talent to their competitor and they'll never thrive. And I think the younger people that are coming up with that new mentality, where for someone who's in my age group, we almost have to reprogram ourselves because we came up with that. If you don't do certain things, there's no way you're going to get ahead. So it's going to be a little bit more challenging for people in my age group, but I, I really do like the way things are heading. Again, I think that's so insightful. You and I are of similar age, and I grew up kind of thinking the boss is always right, kind of like I kind of thought mm-hmm. our parents were always right. We know that's not true. The boss isn't always right, and our parents weren't always right. People are feeling much more willing and the freedom to express their thoughts and disagree and, 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 and maybe even horrifyingly quit. I mean, people just quit on a dime. People interview for jobs. They get hired and don't show up. It's, it's a whole different generation which is why I've got to come back to this, this, this idea of if you want to lure in the best talent, if you want to then not just recruit them but retain them, you've got to every day asking yourself, what kind of leader do they need from me? Not what kind of leader do I want to be because Joan might need a different style of leadership than Tim does. They communicate differently. Some of them are empathic. Some of them are left brains and right brains and visual learners and auditory, and they like to work independently or interdependently. And that now is kind of a more taxing burden on leaders than ever before. 
it requires a level of engagement from leaders that is probably unprecedented. And to your earlier point, I think you're absolutely right. I think now the, the employees are taking control of setting their own boundaries. And as an organization, you won't accommodate them. They will just leave. I'm not saying that's right or wrong or overboard or underboard, but it's a new reality. And if you, again, want to recruit and retain the top talent out there, you've got to talk transparently about it. You've got to set clear goals. People have to feel like they're winning. You've got to celebrate wins as much as you celebrate the setting of goals. It's, it, it is requiring a level of leadership we've never seen before. And people have to really ask themselves, am I up for that? Should I be a leader of people or should I just be helping lead the culture? And I think it's important, you know, we're talking about on the leadership side, but for even just employees to have a better understanding of what's important to them, what their values are, what their goals are. And so if someone wanted to make that personal assessment to see what they want to achieve in in his or her life, what are some of the best questions that we can ask ourselves? Well, I think you've hit on a great question. You know, nothing will be clear in life. You'll never have enough fame, attention, credit, financial security until you've defined what those values are. I think you should do just that. It's an exercise that I went through about 15 years ago. I sat down and I, over the course of a couple of weeks, not a couple of hours, but a couple of weeks, I sat down and made two very contemplative, deliberate lists. On one side were my personal values and the other side of the list were my professional values. I think they're different. I don't think people go to the extra work zone of making a list of their professional values. For example, my personal values ended up forming an acronym, PhilPAL, P-H-I-L-P-A-L, purpose, health, integrity, loyalty, positivity, abundance, and learning. Those are the seven personal values I have in my life. I memorize them. I hierarchically organize them, and I tried the last 15 years to live my life and make my decisions in alignment with them. But then there are my professional values. My number one professional value, I'm quite comfortable saying, is I want to maximize my income. I don't work for joy. I work for freedom. I work for financial liberation. I work to provide opportunity for my family. My number two professional value is I want to work with and for a brand that I'm proud of. Like I'm proud to say I work for the Franklin Covey Company. And number three is I want to work with people that I like and trust, that I actually would invite to my wedding or come to my Thanksgiving dinner. And those professional values sometimes are in conflict with our personal values. If my number one value is purpose, being a father of three sons and a husband, that sometimes may be at odds with what it takes to you know, create financial independence or to maximize my income. I think it's okay that your values are sometimes in conflict because then you don't know – without that exercise, you don't know why you're not succeeding or why you're frustrated or why you're quitting or moving around. Highly encourage people to sit down. Take the time over the course of days or weeks, get clear on both your personal and your professional values so you can know when they are aligned and when they are in conflict, and then what will you choose to do about that? You and I, I think we're both really blessed people because for a living, we get to talk to some of the greatest minds in their respective areas. And so you get to sit down with all of these people that are really out there changing the world. From the years that you've been doing this and and now in in your book, what are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned? Can you just share a few of them with us? Sure. Uh, Like you, I'm privileged to host what is the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. The book I've just written called Master Mentors is based on that podcast. Interview Deepak Chopra, the famous medical doctor and now, you know, a, a sort of mindfulness expert. Everybody knows who Deepak Chopra is. He said something to me, Joan, that stopped me in my tracks. He said, you know, there are two types of people. There are human beings and there are human doings. And I think that really really had a profound impact on me because I'm a human doing, writing books and podcasts and radio programs and writing blogs and columns and all the things that I'm doing, an entrepreneur. I, I own a speaker's agency and a talent agency and on, 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 and on. To what end? I have three young boys that are 8, 10, and 12, and I've got to make sure that I'm being present for them also while providing them embraces, right, and and basketball lessons and new tennis shoes and things and vacations. So that from Deepak Chopra was profound. Stephen R. Covey, the author of the book The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, 
talked about the difference between being efficient and being effective. They sound similar. We use the terms interchangeably occasionally, but they're very different concepts. There's a time to be efficient, washing your car, mowing your lawn, posting on social. There's a time to be effective, and that's usually always with people. He said something smart. He said, with people, fast is slow, and slow is fast. Know when to be efficient and when to be effective. And then another one is Kim Scott. She wrote a book called Radical Candor. It's a remarkable book about how, as a leader, arguably your biggest contribution to your team is giving them feedback on their blind spots, exercising radical candor, moving outside your comfort zone, talking about the undiscussables, giving them feedback on their speaking style, their self-awareness, their collaboration skills in a gentle way that balances courage with diplomacy. Because what Kim Scott says is the opposite of radical candor is what she calls ruinous empathy. Because you can show people too much empathy and they never understand what it's like to work for them, work with them, lead them, be married to them, live next door to them. And so I think Kim Scott's idea of calibrating your, your, your courage with a sense of diplomacy and having a direct but respectful conversation with people on your team about their own blind spots can be life-changing for them. And I think that that's all wonderful advice because I'm seeing myself in each of those things that you described and, and how I've grown and, and changed over the past 12 years of doing this work. So I think those are really great insights. And, and I want to just touch upon one thing before we run out of time. People who are leaders, they tend to think that if they show any type of weakness or if they ask for help, that is a sign of weakness. Is it ever okay for a leader to show that sign of, of needing assistance in some way? Well, I think the answer to your question lies in the competencies of leaders, right? These are things like, you know, setting vision and creating systems of, you know, delivering profit and results. But I also think as important as reading a P&L is showing vulnerability, Joan, I believe to your question that vulnerability is a leadership competency in 2022 and beyond, is knowing judiciously when to say, hey, team, gather around. I want to share with you an experience I had two years ago when I lost a big deal with a client, or I had a courageous conversation with an employee and it went sideways, and here's what I learned about what I said and how I said it. I don't think that means you walk around confessing all your sins or being an open kimono or having, you know, a, a license for your own bad behavior. It's just saying, hey, listen, you know, I, because I'm a leader formally does not mean that I'm omniscient. It doesn't mean I know everything and done everything right. I'm learning and growing just like you. I think it's important to realize that leaders, one of their biggest contributions, Joan, is to recognize their job is not to be the genius. Their job is to, in fact, achieve results with and through other people. I'm going to repeat that. Your job as a leader is to achieve results with and through other people. And that means you're in the relationship business. We know every company is now a technology company, whether you're selling tulips or lingerie. You're a technology company, and every company is the same business. They're now in the people business. So as a leader, you've got to ask yourself, beyond your technical skills, how are you at developing relationships? How are you at, at – Talking about your own struggles, not your own personal struggles per se, but the things you're still learning and growing and making it safe for others to admit their mistakes. Because as a leader, when you're willing to teach through your mistakes and own your mistakes, you then build a culture where it's safe for others to do the same. Yeah, it's bringing the best out in other people. And that's why that command model doesn't work, because you're just beating people up and you're not creating a safe space. Well said. And I do think that it doesn't mean we don't hold people accountable. It doesn't mean that we still can't be vulnerable and say, hey, listen, my vulnerability, my, my diplomacy does not exonerate you from owning up to your behavior or you still have to meet these goals, right? I, you can still be a gracious person and make it clear that we have made commitments and we've agreed on certain deliverables and I and you have to meet these together. I think some people think that if you're – too kind or too nice or too empathetic or too vulnerable, it gives people license to take advantage of you. And that is the case in some times. Some people will choose to use your empathy to weaponize it against you. Those are the outliers. We don't manage those people. 
We sometimes manage those people, but we don't manage to those people. Looking at the bell curve, right? Looking at this, the middle 70% of your potentially high producers and your high producers, and you're building an intentional culture where you demonstrate all the behaviors as a leader that you want to see in your team. This is why leadership is so hard because as a leader, you have to model in your own behavior everything you want to see in your people. Empathy, transparency, vulnerability, accountability, punctuality, offering apologies, admitting when you're wrong, levity, knowing when to be serious, creating and delivering on results, acknowledging it when you've dropped the ball yourself, not passing the buck. It's a high standard of leadership, but you get someone that takes it seriously and recognizes that, in fact, they do need to model all the behavior they want to see in your people, and you have an unstoppable team. The book is Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds, Volume 2. Scott, where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? Well, you can visit my website at scottjeffreymiller.com. All of the webcast episodes are there, all the books that I write, all the books that I author are on Amazon. You can just Google me, Scott Jeffrey Miller. Love to have you connect and follow on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. I'm there. I don't think you do enough, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> My wife would tell you I do too much, and she's right. So I am trying to bring uh, another leadership competency, which is focus and discipline more into my life. Do less, better. Scott, in our final moments, what would be the takeaway? What do you want to leave our listeners with? You know, I think another wise thing Dr. Covey said, he was the founder, of course, of the Franklin Covey Company. He said, you can't talk your way out of a problem you behaved yourself into. And I think, you know, I think that's so important today when we're all running so fast and we're almost overcommitting and perhaps we're in over our heads or we're experiencing imposter syndrome. You can't talk yourself out of a problem you behaved yourself into. You can only behave yourself out of it. So offer an apology with no excuses. You know what? I have to tell you, I'm way overcommitted. Um, it's my fault. I was too ambitious. I, I wanted the fame or the accolades or the attention from this, and I just, I've just, i committed to too much. I need to recalibrate my, my expectation with you. Or I'm sorry that I said something in the meeting last week that was offensive to you. I clearly offended you. I take responsibility for it. And I'm going to do better next time. Sometimes just a simple apology or an acknowledgement of your own behavior without any excuses, what you did wrong and what you're going to do different can have a huge cultural impact on your team, but also build trust with others. Because most of us think we're trustworthy, but you don't get to decide if you're trustworthy. The other person decides if they find you trustworthy based on whether or not you've behaved your way into a reputation of being trusted by them. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a wonderful conversation, and I would love to have you come back. You can come back on the show anytime you'd like. Joan, I would be honored. Thank you again for the spotlight and the platform. I appreciate letting me talk about Master Mentors, the second volume and a 10-volume series from HarperCollins. There'll be 10 total books in the series where I highlight 30 different guests from the On Leadership Podcast. I appreciate you. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path, personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled, leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. An invitation to appear on a radio show or podcast provides you with the opportunity to showcase your knowledge while promoting yourself, your products, and your business. It can elevate you as an expert, boosting your reputation, but only if you make a good impression. 
As a producer and radio host who has conducted more than 2,000 interviews, I have experienced all kinds of conversations. Some are great and leave the audience wanting more, while others are uninteresting, significantly diminishing the guest's appearance. In my training program, It's Your Time to Shine, I provide valuable information that will empower you to make media appearances more impactful. You work hard to get the booking, so don't waste the opportunity because of a lack of skills or preparation. To learn more about how I can help you shine like a pro, visit cyacyl.com slash media training. That's cyacyl.com slash media training. It's time for To Your Health. Joining us today to talk about chronic kidney disease is Dr. Deborah Clegg, who is affiliated with Cedars-Sinai UCLA and American University. Dr. Clegg is the lead study investigator on plant-based diets in people with chronic kidney disease. Welcome, Dr. Clegg. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Doctor, with so many diets and eating plans that are available today, it's difficult to know which is the best to follow for maximum health. But for those with chronic kidney disease, making the right diet choice is critical. Before we talk about that, first tell us about chronic kidney disease. What is it? The chronic kidney disease is basically a, a gradual loss of kidney function. Your kidneys are responsible for maintaining normal balance within our body, and as the kidneys lose their function, toxins can stay in the body, and this is associated with some different types of disease risks. Who is most at risk? People who have high blood pressure or people who have diabetes or cardiovascular disease are individuals who those types of diseases can actually impact the kidneys and cause the kidney function to decrease. Doctor, what are the signs and symptoms? How does chronic kidney disease usually present? So chronic kidney disease often presents with some nausea or vomiting, maybe some changes in appetite, or maybe even changes in urination. Oftentimes, these are associated with kidneys who are no longer functioning properly by getting rid of some of the toxins that are so critical for the kidneys to normally function or release our body from. Why are potassium levels so critical for those who live with chronic kidney disease? What's interesting is that potassium is this incredible nutrient that we need to have in our diet. It comes from fruits and vegetables, but when potassium gets too high in our blood, it's a condition called hyperkalemia. And one of the interesting things is that the kidneys are responsible for maintaining potassium balance. And so one of the benefits of eating a fresh fruit and vegetable diet is that it's actually high in potassium. However, as your kidneys start to lose their function, avoiding potassium can be really important to avoid the uh, potential deleterious effects of hyperkalemia. Doctor, is there anything that we can do to prevent kidney disease? Well, some of the things that we can do is making sure that our blood pressure is well controlled, avoid some of the salt within our diet, so we're avoiding some of the, the hypertension, also maintaining our normal blood sugar by avoiding diabetes, and also keeping our overall cardiovascular uh, function in check. Also, eating a fresh fruit and vegetable diet actually can protect the kidneys. What types of tests should our doctor be doing to make sure that our kidneys are functioning properly? Your doctor will make sure that your kidneys are functioning properly by taking blood tests as well as monitoring your urine for different types of, of products. So keeping in close contact with your physician, if you happen to be an individual that has hypertension, diabetes, or cardiovascular disease, or even family history of chronic kidney disease, it's really important to keep in touch with your physician so that they can monitor your kidney function. If someone is diagnosed with a kidney issue, what would the normal treatment process be? What can that person expect? Typically what happens as your kidneys continue to, to decrease their function or when you have CKD is oftentimes physicians will prescribe medications such as uh, blood pressure stabilizing medications, um, other types of medications to keep your blood sugar in check. Uh, typically they, they typically focus on blood pressure as well as blood sugar maintenance and, and preserving the remaining kidney function. Once we're diagnosed and we're put on medications, is there ever a chance that it can be reversed or are we on those meds for the rest of our life? Oftentimes you're on those medications for, for some period of time, but it's not a life sentence because keeping preservation of your kidney function is really what's at stake here. So what we're hoping is that the newer products that are available on the market will actually preserve kidney function as well as allow people to eat a really healthy diet. What are some of those newer products? 
Right. So there's a couple of newer products that are actually called, uh, considered to be binders. What they do is they sort of take over the kidney function. So when you're eating a diet that's high in potassium, and the normal function of the kidney is to get rid of that potassium, but as the con- kidney continues to fail, therefore the kidney no longer has the ability to get rid of that potassium. But these newer binders actually bind to the dietary potassium and help you achieve normal potassium homeostasis within your body. It's a really amazing time for individuals with CKD to be able to potentially try these new products and see if they can liberalize their diet. And where can our listeners go to get more information? The Kidney Foundation has some wonderful information about kidney disease, and you can find that information at kidney.org. Thank you so much for joining us and for providing this important information. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book, so how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life book club, created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Today's guest, Emanuela Bissoni, believes that you can empower yourself by becoming your own best healer. She joins us today to talk about how you can reverse many chronic conditions naturally by using a unique whole food approach. Emanuela is a leading expert in how to naturally restore your body back to optimal health and a master transformational coach. She is the author of the book, Healing Through Nature's Medicine, A Story of Hope. Welcome, Emanuela. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Joan, for having me. I am truly blessed to be here with you. So, Emanuela, you have an interesting story. You worked in the finance industry for more than two decades. Tell us why you made the switch to helping people. Uh, I think it was really, truly um, a passion and um, some sort of a force that ignited in me when I first healed my dog from IBS, which was years before, using a whole food approach. And then when I healed my own issue with my thyroid and a mass of nodules I had, I really, that was like, I, I felt like there was a, a calling in me that said, I need to really share this with the world. And that's when I became a life and a health coach. Where did you first learn about the possibility that you could do these healings on your own? My mentor, Dani Alalawi, who is a blessing and my earth angel, because she, I met her in 2014 when my dog was struggling with IBS, and I was completely lost. I um, just was sad and felt hopeless because he was suffering for two years with IBS, chronic diarrhea, vomiting. Um, and the vets that I was seeing were really not helping me the way that I really needed it to be. So in meeting her, she opened my eyes. And like so many people out there, you're always going to be a little skeptical at first. But from the first recommendation that she gave me when he had diarrhea every day for four months continually, she just told me to add blended pureed zucchini and celery to his existing food that would clear up the mucus and help with forming his stool again. I started to do that and literally two days later his his stool started to form and the mucus was getting less and less. That's when I was like, you know what? She knows what she's talking about. I need to listen to her. And from that point on she taught me everything on how to switch him from a commercial dog food diet over to a whole food diet and doing a protocol with plant-based supplements, which are probiotics, enzymes, and microorganic algae. And within eight months, he was completely healed. So you're talking about your dog, but how did you make the switch then to implement these principles on humans? So that was in 2017 when I became really sick. Um, And... When I I had adrenal fatigue, I went through premature ovarian failure, which put me into menopause at the age of 38, um, and I was a mess. I had mood swings, uh, feeling bloated, every single symptom on that menopause checklist I had, and I felt terrible. I didn't like who I looked. When I looked in the mirror, I just didn't like 
the person I was becoming, and it wasn't the true me. So when I one morning woke up and I was already feeling the body aches, the chronic pain in my joints, then one morning I woke up and I felt these lumps in my throat that scared me to death, and I knew there was something seriously wrong. So I immediately called my doctor, made an appointment. He took me the very next day, went in to see him. He sent me for blood work and a sonogram. That came back with um, hypothyroidism. And the nodules that were once under control for years had grown to a very large size. That was a major concern to him, as well as me developing a mass on my thyroid. So that really scared me. I was like, oh my God, what is going on? Why is my body reacting this way? I felt like my body was against me at that point. And I was like, I'm not eating as badly as I thought at that point. But I said, there's something wrong here. Something's not working right. So he wanted to send me to an endocrinologist. And I asked him, why do you want to send me to an endocrinologist? He said, well, he's going to put you on thyroid medication. And I said, nope doc, that's not the way I want to go. I said, I know, I knew in me, there was something that was telling me I've helped pet owners heal their dogs. I know my mentors helped thousands of people. She healed herself from, you know, eczema and uh, ulcerative colitis. So I was like, you know what? There's, there's something there. So I said, doc, I'm going to put that off for now. I came home and at first, I did actually make the appointment for the endocrinologist because I was scared. I felt, you know, the first thing that came into my mind was thinking I had a mass cancer. So for me, I was like, let me make the appointment for the biopsy and for the endocrinologist. Then three days later, a light bulb went off and I said, let me talk to my mentor. I called her up, told her what was going on. She's like, listen, you can reverse it. I said, all right, tell me what to do. She told me exactly what to do how to shift my diet. I completely shifted my diet, took certain things out of my diet, uh, started a ramp up process myself with getting my gut number one to start working the way it should be. Because when things are not working properly in your body, your gut is the first go-to. So for me, I was like, okay, let me start this journey. I gave myself three months. And within three months, first off, the first month was I was going through detox and detox, when people start to heal their bodies, you start to feel worse before you feel better because things are eliminating out of your body and they have to come out some way. So you could be more fatigued if that was one of the symptoms you were experiencing. You could have a little more diarrhea or even vomiting, but that passes depending on how chronic the, you, whatever you're going, whatever is going on in your body, um, that does pass though. So the first month was really crucial and it was really, it was, it was tough. It was, I felt very fatigued, but, and every morning I woke up feeling my throat, the lumps were still there. The lumps were still there. And I was using proteolytic enzymes as well to shrink the mass and nodules on my thyroid. So um, in the first month, I was feeling terrible. Then about, it was from August um, and then September, I started to regain my energy. And one morning in September, I woke up, I think it was September 18th. I, I see that day as if it was yesterday. I felt my throat and the lumps. I couldn't feel them anymore. And I said, oh my God, this is working. And I was so excited. And I was like, oh my God, I felt empowered that I had control over where my health was going. And I was reversing everything that was going on with me. So I kept on my path because I did give myself three months. And then I went back to the doctor. He sent me for blood work again, did another sano. And he looked at me and he was like, okay, what are you doing? What's this magic <laughs> that you're doing? And I said, and I told him what I was doing, whole food diet, um, you know, and then also ramping up my gut, working on reestablishing my gut flora, which in turn then will then it will, it will help your liver and kidneys, which are really the most important part of the system, of the detoxification system, to start working properly, to start eliminating chemicals and toxins and bacteria and fungi out of your body. So 
he said to me, he's, he said, your thyroid's back to normal and your mass and nodules shrunk by more than half their size. And I just felt so much joy. And I said, I got to write a book about this. I mm-hmm. have to let people know how to really, this is, it is possible. It's not a magic pill. It doesn't happen overnight, but you can restore many chronic conditions that people suffer with needlessly. Well, this is just such a, a, an amazing example because the human body is magnificent. It is designed to be self-healing given the right tools. So how do you believe we should approach health problems? Well, first off, I think that really set aside all of the beliefs that you were taught, which is that you, you, your first go-to is over-the-counter meds or medications. And I'm not saying medications are bad because to a li- for a life-saving condition, obviously medications are uh, a proper use. But give your body the right environment and you will see amazing transformations in your body. Your body needs six major requirements every day, daily, and that is protein, healthy fats, vitamins, minerals, water, and essential and um, and carbs. So these are the, and, and always going towards more of a, in your diet, eat two raw meals a day and one cooked meal because you're getting a lot of the enzymes from the raw foods that you're eating and you're feeding your body all of the minerals, the amino acids, the, the everything that it needs to keep itself healthy. So for me, food is your best medicine. And I really truly believe that, you know, many of the times, like when you, when you think about a book that Dr. Jeffrey Bland wrote, Genetic Nutritioneering, right? And I uh, wrote, I read his book and it's about scientists involved with the Human Genome Project and, um, and all of its affiliated re- research. And they're learning that such age-related diseases, such as heart disease and auto-onset uh, diabetes, arthritis, digestive disorders, loss of mental uh, acute, acuteness, all, and also certain forms of cancer are not inevitably um, consistent with aging. They develop because of the poor match between genetic needs of the individual and choices he or she are making regarding overall health, specific nutri- nutrient um, intake, lifestyle, and your environment. So in really focusing on an overall transformation, and it is a lifestyle transformation, that's how I I look to help people. It's taking small, manageable steps on shifting their diets to a more healthy approach to adding more nutrients to their body and giving the body what it truly needs, helping them reduce their stress because stress is a major um, factor in it. Water intake, the type of water you're drinking makes a, cho- makes a difference as well. Um, so these are all the things I like to hit on. Your, your environment, that makes a difference as well. So in really taking one step at a time, you can transform your life. The book is Healing Through Nature's Medicine, A Story of Hope. If you'd like to get more information about Emanuela and her work, you can visit embodyvitality.net. Emanuela, thank you so much for sharing your story and for some of what you've learned. As Dr. Mark Hyman, who has been on this show multiple times, has said, it is time for us to visit the pharmacy, F-A-R-M, instead of the pharmacy, P-H-A-R-M. So I thank you for being here, and I wish you much continued success with your book. Thank you so much, Joan, and I agree with him 110%. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ed Lamoureux 
owner of Lamore Life Productions, a marketing consultancy specializing in visual storytelling and video production. Today, I'm sharing my top four tips that you should consider when producing video content for social media. Tip number one, shoot high quality video footage. Whether you're shooting with a professional videographer or self-producing your videos using your smartphone, here's what to keep in mind. Lighting. Use a strong light source. This will ensure brighter, clearer videos. And sound. Invest in quality microphones rather than relying on your phone's internal mic. Tip number two, start with a strong hook. The first few seconds of your video are crucial. If they don't catch a viewer's attention, they'll quickly move on. Tip number three, show your face on video. Yeah, I know, this is the part that's embarrassing and uncomfortable, right? Well, showing your face on video helps create trust with your viewers, and trust often leads to more comments, likes, shares, reviews, and recommendations. And tip number four, create a clear flow. The best videos on social media have a clear introduction, middle, and end. Think of it as telling the viewers what you're going to tell them, telling them, and then telling them what you've told them. Repetition helps a viewer to remember what they saw and heard in your video. If you need help with your video needs or would like to schedule a free 30-minute chat with me, go to my website at lamorestrategies.com. That's L-A-M-O-U-R strategies.com. This is Ed Lamoureux from Lamore Life Productions, where our favorite story to tell is yours. Did you know that smoking is the leading cause of people being diagnosed with lung cancer? Isn't it time for you to quit smoking? Hi, I am Mary Beth Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner. It is that easy for everyone to stop smoking cigarettes. If you are a smoker and want to quit, let these tips help you stop smoking. First, start reducing the amount of cigarettes you smoke each day until you have no more cigarettes left. Let that day be the start of you being a non-smoker for good. Second, change your habit and substitute a cigarette for a water bottle. So you change the hand-to-mouth motion with something healthy. Number three, create a positive affirmation and repeat it a few times each day. For example, I am a non-smoker today and every day. Let good health and thinking about the money you will save as a non-smoker continue to motivate you. I am Mary Beth Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner at MetroHypnosisCenter.com. When you're having a conversation in relationship and it's somewhat controversial, you probably want to be heard and be right. Quite often that's what we want. And so we're maybe a little defensive, but is that right? Or do we want a result? The result being we'd like to get along. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson, Quality for Life Coaching. And they are two different things, getting along versus being heard and being right. See, because being heard and right is our defense, then that connects to our ego. But ego's not really going to get you that far. If you want a result, then you're going to want to work with humility and truth. So if you've got a difference of opinion, I mean, for me, I'll quickly look for a reason to say I'm sorry. And it has to be true. If I don't know what I've done yet, then I will say, I'm sorry you're hurting. I've done something wrong here because you're hurting. But let's talk further so we can figure this out. And you don't want to talk at someone by saying you this and you that because people just shut their ears. You want to use words like we and use words like experience. I'm having this experience. I know your experience is different. There isn't a right or wrong. There's just different experiences going on here. So we just need to talk it through and land somewhere that feels really good for both of us. So you want to do a lot of that non-heated conversation so that you can both feel good, but nobody is charging at another person. It's not being heard and right. It's just working toward the positive result. Lindsay Levinson, qualityforlifecoaching.com. Look me up. I'd love to talk to you, help you in any way I might be able to. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. You've made a substantial financial investment in getting the project done. And you have a beautiful publication with your name on the cover. So how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life book club, a resource guide created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life includes the work of some of the most inspirational and influential authors in the world. Shouldn't you be there too? Let's get started. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club.
productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Lisa Luckett, a life coach, speaker, and CEO of Cosmina Enlightened Living. Lisa is the author of the book, The Light in 9-11, Shocked by Kindness, Healed by Love. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joan. It's great to be here today. So, Lisa, we are all feeling extremely overwhelmed. What do you believe are the biggest factors that contribute to people feeling this overwhelm? Well, I think there's actually probably one major factor contributing to overwhelm at this time, and that would be the media, the television media, the news media, and social media. So it's it's very overwhelming to learn of the global crises that are that are looming. It's very overwhelming to look at our country and the crises that we're finding and, and living through. So when we do find ourselves in this situation and we're stressed out and we're overwhelmed and we're anxious, what can we do? What what are some strategies to mat to manage this overwhelm? You know, it's so repetitive, and I know people have heard this a lot, and we'll hear it more. But the truth is, turn off the television. Get quiet and stay in the moment. Is it okay right now where you're sitting on your couch, your feet are on the floor? Are you okay? And the answer is yes. So the worry and the projection of the fear of the future is completely out of our control. And the worry and regret of the past and the things and mistakes that have been made and blaming and pointing fingers and, you know, this was happening to me, someone did this to me, that's, that's serving nothing but feeding the fear and the anger. So to be grateful, right? It seems so benign to say, just have some gratitude. But the truth is, gratitude is the operative, the verb for love. Gratitude is the verb for just just appreciating where we are. So practicing gratitude, literally as simple as writing down three things you're grateful for every day. And to some people, they're going to be rolling their eyes and say, that's just ridiculous. Honestly, it works. It's as simple as, it's funny how the simple things are always the answer, right? Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Lisa and her work, you can visit lisaluckett.com. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.